P-U-X World. P-U-X World. P-U-X World. Branding with the big faces. I love listening to it. Kane Sims. Kane Sims. Kane Sims, the one and only. Britain's finest, Mr. Kane Sims. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Coates. I like it when you guys are together and talking about voice. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I'll see what happens. The, the, the video plays on for longer than you might think. And so it doesn't come back to this screen. There we are. We're ready to rumble. Hello. Right. Hello, Dustin. Again, happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New yeah. Year, Dan. We got a, I hear we get 15 days to say Happy New Year to everybody we know. Is that all? I think we can take it longer than that. I think I was still saying Happy New Year in February. <laughs> How were you, Justin? How was uh, how was uh, Feliz Navidad, Christmas time, and all that long? Yeah, I think it was pretty good. Um, yeah, no, nothing too noteworthy as as most people have experienced. Uh, there's not much traveling. There's not much uh, going out. So it's about the about the same, but pretty good. How about yours? It was good. Nice and chilled. Nice and relaxed. Yeah. Didn't do much. Built train sets for my son and uh, went for walks. Splashing in puddles, which was uh, also fun. I'm actually enjoying the fact that he's two year old because I can just be a kid again. It's quite good. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Dan? Good, uh, good Christmas. Same deal. I guess we're all in lockdown or modified lockdown. My kids are 30 and 32, so it, it involves Zoom meetings, not jumping in puddles. But now you've given me an idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't beat the old uh, jump, jumping up and down in muddy puddles to uh, yeah. to use Peppa Pig's uh, language. But uh, this <laughs> podcast isn't about Peppa Pig, nor is it about jumping up and down in muddy puddles. It is about conversational AI. And uh, we are uh, glad and honoured to welcome you. Uh, thank you, Ahmed, for the comment on the hat. That's two comments I've had on this hat since we've started wearing it thank you for that uh yeah so thank you dan, dan for joining us uh honored to have a legend of the speech technology industry join us how long have you been doing this for uh, uh too long uh i founded opus back in 85 and um <clears throat> part of it was looking at what was going on in automated contact centers at that point which um oddly enough and this group might appreciate that the uh the fun stuff that we studied was when sort of a phone circuit and computers um, came together. Um, and one of the, one of the quick uh, and dirty things people did was sort of modify how directory assistance operators um, uh, could, you could shorten the amount of time that a directory assistant operator could give the name and address by sort of capturing the query with, with essentially a robot. And they use the technology they had back then <laughs> to, to write scripts and, um, and it saved the phone companies billions of dollars. So, you know, this stuff has been proving its worth in contact centers for ah, decades. So would you, would you, um, would you say that recently things have accelerated? I'm reading a lot about the hype and things like that around conversation. And I you said it's been in use for, for a long, yeah. long time. Like what is the difference or is there any difference between what's happening now versus what was happening then? Oh, it's huge. <laughs> I mean, everything then, um, I mean, so SpeedTrack has, uh, has improved in fits and starts in those 30 years. And I don't want to talk about 30 years ago because I really wasn't using speech rec so much as just sort of capturing voice, <laughs> forwarding it along for somebody to listen to. So let's say that in the past uh, 
three years or so, there's just been amazing acceleration in the accuracy of uh, speech recognition. Um, if you think even 10 years ago, we were getting uh, pretty good <laughs> at rec, rec, you know, we got past concatenated speech. So you didn't need to like say a digit or say a word and stop <laughs> starting around 2008. Um, where the advancements have been and where like, higher powered computers uh, and larger databases of things that can be understood have come along is um, is really in the, I used to say past 18 months, but time flies. So past two or three years, um, it, it's just been a horse race as, as um, you've been able to say pretty much, you know, natural language processing, let's call it that, has supported people speaking in their own words and recognizing intent from those words and, and then matching it with the objectives, <laughs> you know, where that intent takes people. So we've, we've um, seen incredible acceleration in just what you can do with an automated voice assistant, um, both at endpoints, you know, intelligent endpoints, um, but we're going to talk about um, contact centers. So, you know, it's in the contact centers uh, that, you know, we're, we're seeing efficiencies and we're, we're seeing you know, what used to be relatively expensive technologies, uh, you know, thanks to new consumption models like blank as a service um, mm -hmm. becoming affordable for, uh, you know, <laughs> companies of all sizes to, to um, essentially have a virtual assistant answer the phone and, and sort of understand what somebody wants to do and propel them along their way. And so, Dan, you talked a lot about the the growth and the change over the past 30, 35 years. Uh, but how would you describe the, just in a couple of sentences, how would you describe where the industry is today in 2020 or yeah. how it was in 2020? <laughs> sure. So um, industry is a misleading term there. There isn't a single voice industry, if you will, and there isn't a single contact center industry. So, uh you know, there, there's, uh, and I used to think that there were kind of two universes when you approach this from the point of view of, of voice assistance, uh, because there's development going on in sort of a fragmented world where you write Alexa skills or, or you know, Google Actions, what, whatever the uh, big speed, whatever they call themselves now, um, versus some longstanding investment in contact center technology that's that's uh, tied to an interactive voice, to speech enabling an interactive voice response system, that automated thing that answers the phone and solicits intent and, and, and roots things to the right place. Um, what's going on there is is fantastically interesting and, and, and something that we'll talk about, I, I, I believe, before we finish this conversation. At the same time, the contact center industry itself has seen some explosive growth in um, cloud-based resources. So as you move to the cloud, what we used to call it an IVR may still be called an IVR, but it may be the voice app on a multi-application platform. What we used to call contact center, you know, core technology can be the routing subsystems in a cloud-based uh, service. If, if, you know, if you're Amazon and you're running Amazon Web Services and you've designed um, Amazon Connect as your contact center offering, your raw material is, you know, ports and, and processors and memory. 
And, you know, they're all used in a specialized way. And some of them can be allocated to supporting these um, automated virtual assistants or bringing conversational AI into the talk paths between companies and their customers or prospects. And that's where we're seeing it, uh, you know, not just growth, but, but evolution and, and development of some really interesting applications. That's interesting. Um, tell us a bit about Opus research and, and you obviously acquired a wealth of knowledge about all of this kind of stuff and and you cover a heck of a lot of, yeah. of uh, all of the not not just in the contact center but across the whole yeah. range of, of, of kind of speech technology areas and stuff like that so tell us a little bit about what opus research oh, does sure. and yeah. in particular what was the kind of main thing or one of the highlight standout things that you covered last year that got you most excited last year okay um so I'm going to modify that question a little bit. <laughs> so, so to answer the first thing first is, is, you know, what have we been doing lately? So I, I would say, you know, six or seven years ago, we coined the term conversational commerce. Uh, right around the turn of the century, we were calling them conversational access technologies. But the idea was to look at the technologies that improve conversations between and among people. And forgive me if people have heard me say this over and over again, um, but people to machine, and then the machine-to-machine -machine conversations that happen to get rid of latencies, to recognize intent more quickly, to propel you know people along their their path to what they want to do. Um, so if you think about what's been going on in the last six years, and then isolate 2020, um, what's been fantastically interesting is. Um, how it's become, quote, democratized, unquote, meaning that um, within business organizations, you used to think of, oh, the IVR is this thing in the corner of, of a switch closet with all the phone lines running into it. Um, uh, and it was really the domain of the contact center administration. And maybe if, if it went south, there was it was a concern of the uh, customer experience folks or marketing or whomever um, in 2020, uh, what we've seen is uh, the realization of, quote, democratization, which means that there are some fantastically interesting tools for building virtual assistants or conversational agents um, that don't require as much professional services as used and, and some specialized skills like, um, and, and forgive me, because this will sound like I'm advocating sort of a lack of, of design and that sort of thing, but, but you know, used to have to have com computational linguists, um, um, specialized voice user interface designers and that sort of thing involved in every project that you had. And what we're finding now, and this is really accelerating adoption, are, are uh, toolkits for, well, toolkits is not the right word, but, but a set of tools or service creation environments where the subject matter expert or the project leader can be, um, you know, from the department, it can be your best um, customer service agent, or if it's a specialized area, you know, an advisor that sort of understands what's important says, oh, yeah, um, I, we, we bought sort of a package, if you will, or a platform or a set of services from a, a, a solution provider. And I know how to um, 
I, I recognize that they've prepackaged them with certain dialogue modules and, and conversations already. And for me, it's just making sure that it's relevant to what I'm hearing and, and I know best. I'm not technical. I know how to you know, piece these together and monitor and, and make sure my virtual agent is um, doing what I would have done. Interesting. That's, that's a good observation that like the it's interesting how I mean, there's lots of tools kind of coming out now or have been around for quite a while. And a lot of the providers themselves are starting to acquire that kind of toolkit as well. aren't they? like five, nine acquiring inference and, you know, Vonage have got kind of uh, stuff up and running and stuff with with, uh, you know, conversation design tooling and things like that. What do you think um, the impact of having kind of no code, low code tooling. You mentioned one means that, you know, the people who have the actual conversations with the customers can can get things up and running quickly. They can tune them more towards like how they would handle that conversation and stuff. But at the same time, there is there are certain practices that a conversation designer or a, a VUI designer will, will understand around conversation analysis and how to structure yeah. conversation and how to make sure that people get through that successfully, how to anticipate follow-up questions, how to program the NLU to train the NLU and all of those kind of things. So. Do you where do you where do you see those kind of skill sets sitting alongside those kind of no code uh, kind of tools? Do you think that going forward, uh, companies creating IVR agents will require those kind of skills, or do you think that these tools are going to get to a point where a lot of that stuff's already handled for you? Wow, um, that is a tremendous question, and and what I hark back to is in in my mind is you know back in the early days of, of web storefronts, people were told, oh, you know, you're a small business person, you can just load your inventory and blah blah blah, and and you ended up with some pretty ugly you know design storefronts out there. And I'm not advocating you know building virtual assistants that um, you know in the in the interest of making them. Uh, administrable by uh, you know departmental executives you're ignoring some of the uh, just hard learned lessons of the uh, you know voice user interface designers um, you know and the technical folks that, that make sure this stuff works so um, I think that what, what we're going to learn you know initially uh, as companies become acquainted with the tools, bring the team together to design, um, you know, sort of, uh, well, identify what the use cases they want to do initially, uh, bring the subject matter experts in to do that, that you do indeed have to have at least one or two folks that, that understand, you know, uh, the converse, what it takes to build a quality conversational user interface, you know, some of the basic hard learned rules of building a, a, an effective voice user interface. Um, and, and actually a vision of the future that recognizes what can be done. Um, because, you know, let, let's be honest, there, there's solution providers that say, hey, I can get you up with a voice bot in a day <laughs> and, you know, and just, you know, feed me your FAQ and, you know, I can, I can ingest that. I know what's most frequently asked and that, so I can just answer those things. And you have kind of a crappy static um, thing <laughs> that isn't, is, you know, isn't helping anybody and creates a bad user experience. So, you know, you can say that 
older but wiser solution providers know, and, and actually, let's go to the implementers, know that um, it's an invitation for disaster to have you know z zero in terms of technical knowledge and experience in voice user interface design involved. And what we're talking about now is balancing, um, you know, at the highest level, what human input is to um, where, you know, elements of artificial intelligence can help uh, and, and building some of those initial use cases. But the way, but, you know, whether you call it supervised learning or, you know, managed uh, evolution of these things, you do want experts in, um, you know, with some sense of style, <laughs> you know, with some, with some, you know, just as you do need designers for, you know, attractive storefronts in a visual world, you do need designers and technicians in the voice world to make sure you've made an attractive, usable and, and reusable um, virtual agent. Hmm. Especially given that a lot of people They'll use them when they phone up and get connected to one. But yeah. they, they wouldn't necessarily want to call up and speak to a bot kind of thing. So I always think that whenever you're designing a voice user interface, you've kind of got to make sure that the experience is as frictionless and as simple as possible because it's a little bit like a it's a little bit like designing a government website. Nobody mm -hmm. goes to a government website because they want to go there and they're dying to have an experience. They right. go there because they have to renew a passport, they have to tax a car, they have to do something. They've got no choice about it. And it's the same kind of philosophy where when you call someone, call a company, if it happens to have a bot on the line i mean there's a lot of research out there now which is saying things like you know customers are happy to uh have their interactions facilitated by a bot but if you ask them whether they would prefer it i would i would wager that more people are likely to prefer an actual conversation rather than the bot interaction but when they speak to it they're inevitably just gonna they'll end up going through with it so being able to design something knowing that someone might not necessarily want to have that conversation means that there's even more pressure, I suppose, on designing something that's natural, that's easy to use, that understands the user, whatever they say, and that, that allows them to get whatever they need to get done, done. Would you, would you yeah. agree? Well, it's interesting you use the, uh, the government application as an example, um, because uh, we had an early use case um, with, with, uh, that was described to me that just had to do with, you know, somebody wanting to go on a fishing trip and, um, you know, knowing they needed a fishing license was just part of it. But if you had a well-designed, well, a well-designed voice bot, let's call it that, um, if it emulated sort of the person that was, you know, at the counter where you were going to get it would also point out that well you know if you're getting a fishing license you also need a park permit you know what days you're going to be there in in order to complete the task to do what you want to do um, you don't want a designer that says okay this person came in wanted a fishing license i gave him a fishing license and i'm done success <laughs> perfect <laughs> out of there and and you know that's what some bots do whereas if you had a user interface designer, you know, with a broader view and a subject matter expert that said, hey, if they're going to ask for that, they're going to want these four other things. And I can I can design, a, um, you know, a user interface that, you know, you can use all the technical, you know, I have these slots to fill and it's going to involve these turns. And, and, um, and, and so you want that prior knowledge to make sure that the, the voice user interface, the intelligent uh, bot, if you will, 
is, is actually working on behalf of that person. Because you can create a really bad experience that, for somebody where you do fulfill what they ask for precisely and, and you're not really understanding what, they, what their intent was and what they need to complete their task. And that's where professionals come in. And there's a lot more behind that as well. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Would you say then that, um, so, so, we, so the start of that conversation was around accessible tooling, allowing mm -hmm. almost anybody to create and deploy, then moving into actually, we do need some specialist skills to kind of, to, to do this. I'd be interested in getting your thoughts in. Well, I'd like to know Dustin's thoughts on them tools, uh, in terms of like the what what might be the limitations or or benefits of those kind of tools as well, and then secondly to you, Dan, on the challenges around um, what what contact center kind of managers are facing, and whether that skills gap is is one of them. But Dustin, before we wrap up on the tooling, what what's your kind of your kind of opinions on those drag and drop low code accessible kind of toolkits versus you know the 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 kind of more do it yourself sort of uh, approach. I mean, I personally think they're great, right? Uh, Dan, I think you bring up a really good point in that uh, there's still a major room for expertise here. <laughs> it's not going to be a, uh, a square space, right? It's not going to be a square space for IVR. It's really going to require, at least at this point, some expertise and probably some tech there as well. But, you know, being able to empower people to build things that they weren't able to build before. Dan, you started off this conversation really great talking about when you got into this industry and, um, you know, we think about the amount of effort that it took 30 plus years ago to do things that you can do in seconds today, right? It's it's quite incredible. And so, uh, Dan, I'd really love to hear more of your thoughts on this as well and, and to Kane's question as well. <laughs> you were so articulate. I was thinking about what you're doing. Kane, remind me what the original question was. <laughs> my, my, my question was around um, the the on the one Dragon. hand, we've got easy to use tooling. Okay, yeah. a lot of providers out there. You know, Cognigy, Speakeasy, Boost. There's a lot of providers out there that even even Google Dialogflow CX. You know, yeah. a lot of um, providers are creating tools that make it a lot easier to design and deploy these uh, agents. At the same time, we've spoke there around if you have some some real expertise uh, in house, then you're more likely to design something that is a better user experience, more likely to allow people to get their job done, more likely to figure out what those follow-on use cases are and what those kind of like related conversations are that you might need to have around it. So so it seems as though on the one hand, we've got easy to use tools, easy accessible tools. However, we still got the requirement for specialized skill sets. And so that seemingly is, it sounds to me like that's one of the challenges that, that contact centers and, and, and organizations looking to use conversational AI to enhance their digital transformation efforts. That might be one of the challenges that they face, might be they might have the tools, but not the skill sets. So whether you whether you want to elaborate on that or whether you've got any other yeah. observations of additional challenges that you've noticed uh, on, on, on that front. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, as we were prepping for this and you sent some questions around, um, let's add one more dimension to that, which is, you know, voice is just one of many cha channels. And just as the call center has evolved from a, a voice channel only thing to a contact center, which is, you know, managing interactions, you know, you get agents in seats looking at a workspace, some of it 
doesn't involve voice. <laughs> they're, they're monitoring social networks. They're looking at incoming texts and things from, from chatbots that are text that uh, one of the requirements becomes uh, providing consistent, correct answers uh, re to the individuals that are calling regardless of how they came in. So as you design the voice user interface, <laughs> um, some of the back end stuff that it's hooking up to, you know, through APIs and connectors and all that sort of thing is to some sort of what we call conversational intelligence, which can range from knowledge bases to, you know, sort of data stores with dots. Um, you know, there's different tools that a solution provider can um, bring to bear uh, to make sure that you're getting accurate information even if it's from some dynamic process so if you know if, if it's booking travel knowing seat availability all this stuff um you know has to get brought in on it brought into the conversation in real time or something that feels like real time i i, I decided real time is like the worst term ever <laughs> that, that um what we're really talking about is either in conversation you know or in context or something like that uh but but okay that that was my digression. But I, I think you know where I'm going here. Is that is that um, the 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 drag and drop tools uh, I I think are a blessing. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know go dusting on that. Um, and I they don't have to be an invitation to be just like you know Squarespace or Yahoo storefronts in the olden days because the things that you're pulling down lately are somehow very rich with um, more dynamic elements than the old sort of Visio like I'm, I, you know, uh, here, here's the input, here's the potential output, blah, blah, blah. Um, there, the, uh, the tools are starting, you know, the old tools, it, it struck me, were just looking strictly at the voice user interface almost in a, in a vacuum. And in other words, if you brought me in, I could ingest past conversations and I could pay attention to the humans about, hey, which ones were, were successful and which weren't. And I could, you know, build as successful a set of conversations as I can just based on history when you take sort of a, a broader approach, you're saying, oh, you know, in this tool, I, I have not just the successful conversations between me and my customers, I can benefit from what's known, you know, let's say you're taking old IVR scripts or you're, you're taking, you know, recorded, uh, you're taking um, uh, information about, you know, with, 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 deeper characteristics of that conversation and you can build with those drag and drop uh, interfaces some fairly complex back and forth uh, between companies and their customers and and also add the dimension of oh they may have started the conversation on a uh, you know with a chat bot and then been asked to transfer over to a live agent um, and then it gets transferred to a voice bot or, you know, there, there's a bunch of things that we're able to do with a relatively simple interface. Um, but there's a lot of complexity underlying that, that I think we're dealing with better <laughs> in a graphic environment. Hmm. 
And a lot of and the tools have Gunderson. Go. I know. I was just going to say uh, you were talking about uh, some of the richness of, of of what we're returning, or some of the richness of what we're um, you know providing back to the users. And I want to hear a little bit more about that. But Kane, you were about to speak to something just now. Mm. I was just going to say that that just to add on to what Dan was saying, that these tools, the, the drag and drop tools, do the vast majority of them have fairly decent integration potential. Well. So like you just create back and forth um dialogues you can actually do some some pretty decent integrations in there as well but uh but yeah go on go on Dustin. that what, repeat, that, repeat that question for dan was it yeah it was just uh, you know dan you were alluding to our these conversations are getting richer we're pulling in more rich information i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what that rich information is that you're seeing and and um how these conversations are getting maybe more or, or bringing in more information or more complex or, or what have you yeah. Um, so they do tend to be use case driven. They, they vary by industry. Um, I'm trying to, uh, how to encapsulate this. <laughs> um, as, as companies start thinking of their, their customer experience, trying to foster uh, ongoing conversations with customers. In other words, I always used to hear the term com uh, customer journey, and it would describe sort of the processes that you or I as customers go through as we um, try to make a selection. And, you know, people use, you know, buying a car as an example. So considered purchase starts with a web search, usually with Google, then it moves to maybe a social network where you say, hey, I'm thinking of buying a, you know, a, a Lexus, whatever, and what do you think of that? Um, but event then lands on a company's website. Um, that, of course, will refer you to a dealership. Um, and, and, you know, what the pandemic has taught us now that we're homebound in many of these instances where we may have gone out to a dealership or gone to a retailer, we're going to carry this out on a digital channel. Uh, and as we gain confidence with using our voice as opposed to typing broken English or whatever language you speak into search bars, um, uh, those can be voice conversations with a, with a voice agent. And when you think of the richness, um, you know, it, it, it used to be that the, the voice agents may have been programmed to um, answer easy questions or navigate you to the resource that knows. So it was the sessions that you spent with the voice agent were kind of short. You know, you get your question answered, you hang up. You, um, it, it understands what you want to do and send you somewhere else, um, or it knows what's in the um, what's in a website or some navigable stuff. So, so search kind of becomes navigation. It gets you where you're going. Um, when as things get richer and you realize that hey i'm i'm i'm, I'm I, I succeeded talking to a, a voice agent and got some simple stuff i'm going to try x i'm going to say hey you know is there a blue um 2021 blah 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 in in stock somewhere and can you order it for me which means that it does have to go out and find live inventory and return it 
um, if it's even richer <laughs> and it moves you towards, um, you know, the, the sort of the negotiation stage where it says, here's a retail price and you say, I don't want that. And it says, I want to, I'll have to talk to my manager. <laughs> and, you know, it, it starts really emulating how, um, you know, people would, would be doing this. And then, of course, um, there's the upsell. <laughs> so, so if you sort of think of the things that used to get um, carried out person to person as um, virtual voice virtual systems get more human like um, and our ability to sort of leave the house and talk to people <laughs> uh, becomes limited. Um, you, you're just going to see more of these interactions happening between a, a voice, an automated voice assistant and people. Um, and that said, you know, you're, it, 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 it's, it's self-perpetuating. It, it, they'll get richer <laughs> as, as people discover that they can do more stuff. Cause I, I feel at this point in time, the constraint is, People have sort of low expectations of what their what their voice what a um, a voice assistant can do, and it can already do a lot more than we're expecting, and and you know the answers are getting built into or, or the ability to answer complex questions and follow up questions and take actions on behalf of the brand are you know far beyond what people are using right now. That's probably the problem, though, isn't it? Is that the potential and the capability is there, whereas people have been trained over the last 20, 30 years in how terrible RVR experiences are. Yeah. And now people, you know, even, even the very simplistic ones that have been around for years, you know, like sometimes don't recognize your accent or what have you and then it's press one for this and press two for that and so and then at the same time when you talk about voice assistants, Alexa, Google Assistant, so there's a lot of rubbish out there and so mm. I wonder whether part of that is that people have been trained through a series of poor experiences over the past <laughs> few years, decades even in some cases. And at the same time, it's like the potential is there, but in that, that use case you explained there around wanting to know whether or not you've got a car in our local dealership and then a follow-up is, do you want to book a test drive? And then the price is this and the upsell, do you want a mats included? And I'll only buy it if I have petrol. You're, you're then getting into some very complex dialogue yeah. That does take a, a lot of work and time and effort to craft and to test and to perfect and to mold and to iterate over time. And, and so it's and so there's not actually that many of those kind of use cases around, certainly on the on the voice side of things. Maybe there is, because I just haven't experienced them. Um, so I wonder if that's a, the, the two combinations there, is that one, people's people have been trained through a series of poor experiences over the years, and that those richer experiences, although there's potential and, and the, the opportunity sits, is sitting there, really, there just isn't that many in production. Would you concur with that or not? I'm going to say, I, I don't know right now. Um, you know, as I talk to companies that have ingrained their... Uh, their solutions with, um, you know, the next generation of what we used to say, oh, wow, they're using deep neural networks and there's, there, there's, there's cognition going on. Um, I'm, or Opus, I should say, is, is still trying to get our arms around how um, much of what you're describing as, you know, hey, we'd have to have hard code and look at all these things and do some, uh, you know, some heavy programming versus you know saying these things into a black box that you know let's say an ibm watson has come in and ingested 
you know, a lot of conversations, a lot of outcomes and, and this, that and the other. And, um, you know, th there's there's less programming to do more that moves up into sort of higher level programming where you sort of describe the problem and the outcome. And there's stuff that goes on in between that is is no longer, you know, hard coded branch, um, you know, so, you know, some sort of saved dialogue mod model or something like that, that, that it, it is actually conversation. Sounds like Alexa conversations, Dustin, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like pulling in a, a lot of this new AI and, and what we were saying there. Then do you, how much of that actually do you see going on? Uh, how much is AI and the, you talked about this a little bit in the beginning, the expansion and the increasingly rapid uh, strengthening of AI, how big of an impact is that having on your work? Oh, so so it's really really huge, and and also um, it's it's an, it's exposing some problems. Well, every, every advancement exposes problems we didn't know know we had before, and now I think that the combination of natural language understanding, machine learning, cognition uh, happening in sort of this mysterious layer of a neural network. Um, the results are really impressive, but then the next step is, and, and we're going to be, Opus is going to be writing about this in the coming year, is explainability. So that um, we humans can rely on and are relying in, in you know, some pretty interesting use cases um, using some form of artificial intelligence to, to make decisions uh, on behalf of like a service provider. So one of the examples that uh, actually was IBM used with us lately is, um, you know, if I'm applying for a loan and it and a conversational virtual agent can walk me through filling out the form or, or can, we can do it in voice and I can just answer a bunch of questions, get that submitted and it goes into a, you know, a, a loan advisor bot, if you will, but something that's built on, on you know, uh, artificial intelligence and it returns, you know, either way, it returns an approval or a disapproval, either way you wanna know why. And, and it turns out that the technologies can do all this stuff, uh, but in the interest of conforming with compliance or just being um, a, you know, a trustable service provider, you wanna support explainability. But, and, and I would think um, the, the, the past two years, we, we've had the ability to build pretty robust dialogues capable of doing um, a lot of things on behalf of the end users, uh, but we've held back because it, it's not explainable. You know, if you have decision trees that, that you could document, um, you know, people sort of understand that. So we're, so we, we as humans sort of constrain the use of technology because we like to understand what it's doing. Um, and, and so that, that's sort of a next avenue to tackle. It's, it's, orthogonal to what this call was about, but, but you know, the technologies have been there and, and I think it's manifest in, you know, easier to, you know, easier to use design tools and then these, you know, sort of decision tree based 
models are being replaced with, oh, you know, just send it over there, let that bot figure it out, you know, what, what the next steps are, and then, you know, returns, um, you know, the, the prompts or whatever to, to, to move the people along, prompts, answers, navigational instructions, all that. Mm. It just needs training, doesn't it? Like Alexa Conversations, that, that, what you described is, is pretty much sounds like what Alexa Conversations does, whereby you give it some examples of some of the dialogue that you're expecting to happen in the conversation and a mm -hmm. resolution which you expect the outcome to be. Um, and, and maybe it's an intent that triggers it. And the whole dialogue is essentially managed by Alexa. And so if there's, if there's weaving in and out or there's like clarifications or there's like to it and fro in, you don't design that whole thing. You just give it some yeah. examples and ideas of what you think it might do. And then essentially it takes on the design of the conversation. Um, but the thing with that is that that's only available for a small number. In fact, is it, is it a small number of intense conversations is available for right now? Or is it available broadly for everything? Does Cindy know? Um, that's a good question. I'm not entirely sure. It's, I mean, the, the goal is really just to have that general conversation and move away from uh, the intent model, I believe. So I think it's uh, just a slightly different way of thinking about things in general. Mm. That's interesting. So, so that seemingly, uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but thinking about the future, that seemingly might be one of the, the things that we see a little bit more is that dialogue being managed uh, a little bit more kind of centrally and maybe some of that decision tree stuff is being devolved to, to the AI once it's trained in a certain intent or a certain domain, if you like. What are, okay. what are some of the other things that you might kind of for not even forecast, but what are some of the things that you anticipate would happen uh, mm. in 2021 as far as mm -hmm kind of conversational AI technology, uh, you know, speech technology rather, and, and the contact center, uh, where, where do you see things heading in the next 12 months? Um, well, my big word is ubiquity. <laughs> uh, I think one of the things we learned in lockdown uh, is the voice channel has been really, really robust and um, it's not going away. Uh, and as I mentioned before, the, the idea will be to support that, of course, but support by recognizing that some of the voice is spoken to an Alexa skill. <laughs> so I'd like to see some of the, the kinks in, in sort of this balkanization that we see right now where, you know, it's, it's developed differently for, um, you know, a, a, a contact center base or enterprise uh, um, voice assistant is independent of whether there's something for a smart speaker, independent of something for mobile. Cause you know, as you think of large firms are already trying to figure out how to um, bring together a lot of initiatives that may have started with different staff, different intent, you know, the, 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 the mobile app developer was different from the, IV, you know, the old guard IVR developer. And, and so, so we're going to see sort of a coming together uh, in terms of, you know, voice experience across any point of ingress, any device being used. And that may not be in 2021, but we got a lot, you know, it, with some large companies, it's been launched already. Um, but and in 2021, we'll, we'll see a lot of effort uh, going into that area. Um, I think the other thing, and, and we chat a little bit about this in our past conversations, is... Um, and, and you kind of mentioned here, so if, if, if Amazon, Google, Microsoft, IBM and, and, uh, are, are going to always have uh, 
on, on resources that are larger than than some of the smaller companies to do the sorts of things that happen in that conversational AI black box. They're they're going to be the providers, uh, you know, through APIs or connectors of some sort um, of, of you know, better understanding, better re recognition, you know, some models for vertical applications, uh, which means that those toolkits we're talking about at the enterprise or contact center level um, are now open. So the, it, it, the, the, um, the resources to build the VA may be something that, you know, if you're, you know, an Avaya shop or a Cisco or Five9 or whomever, um, you're, you're going to want to support your customers. So you, the contact center provider, thinking about your customer, the enterprise, you're going to find people there that say, oh, you know, I want to use Lex or I want to use, you know, um, Dialogflow. And you're just sort of open as saying, okay, you, you can use any or all of those that you want to that, that seem to be best suited for your use case. And, and that's been, so ubiquity, openness, um, probably have five others, but, but we can do, sort of do, stop do there and give it a Do you reckon that will so, happen though? Like, so, you know, you've got, you've got Google, you've got Amazon, you've got Microsoft, you've got IBM, you've got a lot of like, um, I wouldn't say standardization, but, but availability of the technology at an ecosystem level. Yeah, yeah, BBC built their entire assistant on Microsoft Azure AI, the mm. whole thing, right? So you've got those capabilities out there um, that will allow you to build an entire assistant if you want to, or just pluck out bits that you need. You might be using Microsoft speech recognition. You might use uh, Lex NLU or, or whatever. You know, you might use Twilio's NLU and, and yeah. Dialogflow to, to serve responses. Or you, there's, there's a whole range of different things, read speaker, text-to-speech voices. Or the whole If you break it all down, there's a whole range of different elements that you can strip and plug in from different providers. Um, and the best way that I've, that I've seen it kind of demonstrated is um, – have you seen audio codes, voice AI gateway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So, so, and, and it just allows you to plug in any NLU, any speech recognition, any text speech provider. And that's, that's, that inevitably seems the way to go. And when you think about organizations and enterprises who are looking at creating virtual assistants, you're not just creating it for IVR or for your chatbot on your website. You need to create it in a way that allows you to extend it and put it into any channel or any interface that, that you require it. But when it comes to those providers, Genesis, Avaya, etc. You know, I've had a lot of experience in government, and those the, the government providers, Mitel, you know, companies like yeah. that, Capita, tend to be a lot more kind of product oriented historically and culturally, whereby the interest is often in keeping you in the product and keeping you using other bits of the product. Yeah. Now, I know that there is openness when it comes to Google Dialogflow that's integrated into most of the uh, contact center systems, but at the same time, you see a lot of the contact center providers bringing in their own tools like 5.9 with Inference and Vonage, as I mentioned, acquiring um, over AI. And yeah. so and so, on the one hand, there is potential for openness, which I think will be better for everybody because that will allow you to truly build an assistant for your entire organization that you put into any other channel. But there's a little thing in the back of my mind that wonders whether a company like 5.9, with the reach they have, with the relationships that they have with their customers, whether they will be... Um, slightly less open than you might think, given that they're all trying to find their own tools? It, 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 it's a great question. It, it makes me think of um, 
you know, where this all began, but, but when you, you know, with, with unified communications in general, where, you know, if you sort of looked and said, oh, they want to unify everything, but they want to unify it under their own brand, um, that's, that's one end of a continuum. And on the other end, uh, and, and actually, if you scratch the surface uh, of 5.9, you know, even though they, they acquired inference, Inference was sort of open to using, you know, which, whichever NLU, you know, so they had the tools for, for building the, you know, the dialogue models and, and, you know, branding them and that sort of thing. But, but they were fairly open to, you know, which, which um, ASR you'd want to use and, and, and TTS. So um, I, I think we're, we're seeing more openness than you might imagine. And, you know, it's good news for, you know, company like Nuance, <laughs> you know, so, so, so if there are companies that have a reputation for building, you know, accurate ASR, human-like TTS, um, uh, and, and, and it's different from the person you want to use for, um, or, or person or company, I keep thinking corporations or people, you know, um, and it's different from, you know, the and or may vary from use case to use case you know who has the best you know uh the <laughs> path to the cash register or way to check inventory and that sort of thing that that you are indeed going to find and i'm just sort of calling it sort of a a conversation a conversational ai layer um that sits between some of these branded platform offerings um in this, in, in one of my recent posts, I, I call it, it used to be either or, or both and. I think we're in the era of either and, <laughs> that, that, that um, you, you can have the best of both worlds right now. And the tooling um, it does, is open enough that you can bring in sort of the best of breed. And, and you know, when, when you used to say a platform and you chose a vendor in the past, you were thinking, oh, I'm choosing, you know, Avaya or, or whomever. And, and it was a single brand. Now they're telling us, you know, well, I mean, look at, you know, Cisco, for instance, and Genesis and all the, uh, the, premise, the premises based leaders that are moving to the cloud. Um, you know, many of them have forged a relationship with Google for Google's, you know, contact center AI. Um, but I, and I don't think it's at the exclusion of other families of, of AI that may be better for particular purposes, or at least that, that's what I am seeing happening right now. And in terms of those toolings that we talked about at the highest level, there, there's sort of an abstraction layer that, that you know, lets you sort of build the dialogues that make the most sense. And then there's something that looks like a marketplace of APIs behind it that let you select um, you know the 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 element of AI that that suits best that particular application. So I do think that's going on, and maybe the contact center is showing the way there um, as sort of a nexus or hub for for you know accomplishing that to some you know to a particular end. Hmm. It's interesting that, like, because it sounds as though everything here could quite easily just kind of converge. Like, Dustin, we've had lots of conversations in the past, haven't we, about like smart displays tablets phones tvs monitors and even laptops once you get a voice interface that works well across them all 
everything's the same because you can do everything on your phone more or less than you can do on your tablet and on your laptop. And once you get, you know, Apple TV or what not is that Apple TV, but you know, do you know what I'm saying? Like your voice, your vo- accessing your voice interface through any device becomes then device doesn't really matter. And so all of the devices start to kind of homogenize and, com- and converge almost. They've all got screens. You can tap them all. You can swipe them all. You can talk to them all. You can all get very similar things done on them all. Um, I'm wondering whether the same kind of thing happens with this kind of AI technology, you know, where like you've got Microsoft who can do speech recognition, NLU and text-to-speech. Uh, you could, you've got Google who can do the same. Amazon can do the same. IBM can do the same. And so that layer you talked about, is is that the the differentiator for some of these companies? You know, like because just in voice flow, essentially, is is that without the ability to hook into those APIs, isn't it? So I'm just wondering, like, whether there's any different, whether there will be any differentiation in five years' time with all this tooling, or whether it all just homogenise and it'll be all much or muchness. What do you reckon? What do you reckon? Near Dustin. Oh, that's a you down. No, no, near Dustin's opinion. Um, I mean, to me, there, there's, there's no question that, that that's where it's moving. And, and uh, there are differentiators because it'll be, you know, sort of the quality of the tools and you bring in the magic word of, of orchestration. And orchestration is how well you coordinate these disparate things working together <laughs> and, and, um, and also the skills. And, and maybe it starts out as professional services because the one thing we learned in the past for five years with with enterprise uh, voice assistants is you know in the in the early years every single one required a lot of professional services and um and you know tools that only the professional services people could use um as time went by there were libraries of things that people did most frequently um and and you were minimizing the expense you know everything wasn't a one for <laughs> you could get up and running and you'd have less to do and that involved them and there'd be, there'd be tools for the individuals there so that that won't go away you're asking a slightly different question in terms of it uh it applying uh, across the board, you know, whether you're using a, a voice remote or talking to an ATM <laughs> or something like that. And, and I would point out with that, um, and it's not, a, it's not even trying to answer the question you're asking, but if you sort of start thinking five or 10 years out, um, the importance of voice and the, the fact that each of us has uh, unique qualities to our voice and how we talk and that sort of thing means that you do want that free floating um, voice recognizer out there. And I know it sounds like I'm talking about surveillance society and we all know how we feel about that. Um, but your voice's unique identifier means that if, if there is kind of a, a ubiquitous voice assistant capability on just about everything, your car, your TV, your appliances, um, that you, the person talking, become the the unifying force and and you're asserting your identity and and perhaps dragging your preferences along um, as, you know, you just go around the physical world and you just sort of expect, you know, just like Star Trek, (laughs) you expect uh, there to be a microphone on most things and, and you can invoke things and it'll know that you are you and, and carry out things on your behalf. I mean, that's, that's the dream. Hmm. Yeah. 
it's kind of like it's that's it's been like the the I suppose it's the path that it's on, but it's been like what I thought Alexa could could be and maybe still could is that kind of like the thing that you can just ask whatever it is to and get anything done so for example in that instance there where you know your voice assistant is on every device you can access it from anywhere it authenticates you based on the sound of your voice so in theory you'd be able to say you know alexa talk to my mortgage company hi it's your mortgage company what do you need oh, i need a mortgage holiday because i've been furloughed because of covid okay so when you know, whatever the questions are apply yeah. for it done and dusted and then it's done mm-hmm. basically it's taking the voice bot that people would be creating for the ivr system but then putting it through other channels which is that philosophy of having one assistant that you can put anywhere exactly. um, and that's kind of that's that's the ideal but I, I, yeah i don't know it's it seems yeah. like that's that's been the idea for for a, at least in my mind for the last kind of four years but right. well, we're, we're that much closer and i have to end on that note because I, I have to jump to my 130 here but um this went really fast this is great been great it's been fantastic thank you for joining us where can people find out more about you and, and find out more sure. about opus research oh, absolutely um come visit opusresearch.net that's that's our website um and you'll see all the areas that we cover and occasional posts by me and and the rest of the staff and i'm also at dnm54 on twitter and that's where i try to point out things that look really interesting and retweet stuff from you guys and and um, other people making this all happen Wicked. DNM. I've got that right. Correct. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, Dan, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, that was, that was brilliant. Thank you everyone for tuning in and uh, we will see you next week. Very good. Thanks.